I do kind of like it when movies do stuff like that. Like with uh, Scott Pilgrim. Oh, God, Nickelodeon movies. <laughs> well, Nickelodeon's put out some good movies, like... The Last Airbender. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Frustrated Fans. The Frustrated Fans, uploading podcasts one month at a time. I'm Jeremy. Because it's not... I'm Pete. And not like we're having more technical difficulties... <laughs> I saw that, Mr. Webcam. Well, if you know, if you gave me a webcam, it might be better. Or, you gave me. If I gave you a webcam. <laughs> shut up. Feel free to buy me a webcam. I'm fine with that. Saves me I from might have to. spending money myself. So, right. so, we are episode... Where are we seriously at 71 yet? Wow. We're at 71, baby. And what's our tagline? <laughs> We're the frustrated fans venting frustrations one bad Michael Bay movie at a time. And there's a lot of those. I'd argue to say all of them that I've seen. Uh, the only one I've really liked of his was The Rock. I haven't seen that. Well, it's a Nick Cage and Sean Connery movie, so. Oh, Sean Connery! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nick Cage. Oh, I, I don't know where I am. <laughs> Who? What? Where? <laughs> I have the same face on every box art. <laughs> All right, moving along. So we're looking at the 2016 Bay Turtles 2, Out of the Shadows, Birdles which has two Baywatch. Nothing to do with a video game that uh, came out by the same name. Piece of garbage. <laughs> oh, I'm still remembering Jeremy. Jeremy! <laughs> Shredder. It's Super Shredder! Ah! We played the game on Xbox, and the final boss is a Super Shredder. He's kind of a weak Super Shredder. Um, but yeah, that was pretty much a recreation of our exact experiencing the final boss. I, I still say the best moment in that game was when I jump. I had one of my characters jump, and he got stuck in the crane position. <laughs> so that game is buggy as hell. And apparently, the sequel, the not quite sequel, the oh, the new one, Atten. yeah, oh yeah, that one sucks. Yeah, apparently it does. Terrible. So. And that was that's based off the IDW comic, which is actually good. All right, so we're doing we're Ninja topic. Turtles Out of the Shadows. It was directed by uh, who really cares? All you care about, all everyone's going to care about is that Michael Bay was one of the producers on this stink pot. It's almost like we know that because we call it Bay Turtles. <laughs> yep, Birdles. Uh, and it was it written was... by two talentless hacks, <laughs> and <laughs> and it was based on oh who cares it has barely anything to do with the source material Eastman anyway. and Laird don't have anything to do with this movie aside from a cameo nobody with talent has anything to do with this movie uh, Stephen Arnell's okay I don't even who's Stephen Casey oh Stephen Amell you mean Amell yeah are you combining yes. Will Arnett and Stephen Amell <laughs> that's how much I hate Bay. oh uh, yeah. yeah Stephen Amell is a good <laughs> Green Arrow. I've okay. never seen the show. You know what? <laughs> the only thing I've ever seen Stephen Amell in, he showed up, um, he actually wrestled in WWE on one of the pay-per-views. And okay, he did a good job, actually. He was pretty cool. Stephen Amell, the, his per- lackluster performance as Casey Jones here, actually got a mention in Arrow itself. 
because at one point one of his one of the side characters in Arrow asks Green Arrow like what kind of superhero wins wears a hockey mask and Stephen Mel's character just kind of smiles. <laughs> so this movie was so great it was nominated for Golden Raspberry Awards. It had two Golden Raspberry Awards but just nominated. Uh, worst prequel remake ripoff or sequel at which was I believe that was won by Batman v Superman. And then Man versus Man. Yeah. Man versus Man. And then worst actress Megan Fox. I don't know who actually won that. The the movie begins with um crap. The turtles just doing their thing. So the boys are back in town. The boys crap. are back in town. Just going to hang on. Let me There we go. Dropping dropping the reference. Thank you. Um, and they're, um, they're dealing with teamwork issues because rehashing shit is the tool of lazy writers. But first it begins at a Knicks game. <laughs> where they hide inside the Jumbotron. You know what? If this had transitioned into just into Space Jam, I would have been so much happier. <laughs> like, all of a sudden they drop the pizza and it just kind of blinks. And you know what? And then it's Space Jam. I'd be totally fine with this movie. <laughs> oh... I pray that movie never gets a sequel. <laughs> Classics never need sequels. I hated Space Jam. I loved that movie when I was a kid. Screw that movie. Um, <laughs> I loved that movie, and I haven't seen it in forever, and it probably doesn't hold up, but I don't care. <laughs> um, so, then... Uh, so, the movie truly begins with, uh, basically, Shredder, who... It never begins. It just kind of... It goes, through. he's being transferred from New York prison to probably a penitentiary out in the federal, rural New York. Um, and he's being tra- uh, transported with two criminals. One with a purple mohawk. Yep. Gee, and wonder one, what this is leading. Yep, and uh, speaking of wrestling, we have the one with the bright red, orangish hair. That's the Bunch chops. Yep, that's WWE wrestler Sheamus. And he's actually one of the better actors in this movie. That should tell you something. Yeah, um, he's actually not that bad. We'll come to Bebop and Rocksteady later. But yes, it's Bebop and Rocksteady! Yay! Uh, they're in a bad movie. Form. Damn it. Uh, now, the reason this is, took them this long to show up in a live-action Turtles movie is because Eastman and Laird, back when the Secret of the Ooze was being made, objected to the Putting those two in. And you know what? I'm okay with that. Because it gave us Toka and Razar. And I Which, like them. Eh. I like them. Mama! Yeah. <laughs> uh, so. You take then, the ugly one. No, you take the ugly one. Which one's the ugly one? Are we going to have to do an episode on that? I love that movie. It's I know so I do good. too. It's such a good movie. We watched. Um, we should have watched that instead of this crap pile. Oh wait, this was my idea. Damn it! So, before we get into what the movie does very wrong, um, go over the basic plot here. Yeah, Shredder escapes from jail despite the turtles' efforts, and yeah. And oh, okay. yeah, and April's kind of in this movie. Thank God she has a smaller part than in the first one. Okay, let then let's just get go straight into it. What does this movie get right? First, there April's some, involvement. April's involvement is smaller. To there's some legitimately funny moments in this movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, I totally agree with a you. A lot more than in the first one. Because in the first in one, fact, there was only one part that I liked. 
in the first in the first movie or excuse me in this movie april's part is toned back uh it's about the turtles again which Yay. where it needs to be yep. um but i'm betting this funny part in your moment is where she's being chased in by the foot into an alley she turns and it's like really guys you really want to do this she points out this never ends well for them and you know what? That part actually made me laugh because after at some point you'd think the villains would be smart. This is like picking on Lois Lane in the DC universe. You know something bad's going to happen to you. <laughs> Hell, even the world's finest DCAU movie pointed that out. Wait, you're that Lois Lane? <laughs> I'm afraid so. Yep, the one that Superman always saves? Yep. Uh-oh. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> I always so just love that moment of the aww. <laughs> this is, effectively, this is the equivalent because April's pointing out that every time the foot goes after her, the turtles show up and beat them to a pulp. Yep. Um, uh, so, you know, that that's a good thing. April's involvement is actually right where it needs to be. She's their human contact. She helps them in the field. But she's not the main focus. She you. never has been. Yep. I just I think the turtles' personalities fit more to mm-hmm. what they actually oh. are. And then there's the artistic design of the turtles. Yes, we still have the weird, creepy faces, Blech. but they're a lot more tolerable looking. Mm, they looked about the same. Now there was some changes if you look between the two movies. I wasn't um, paying close enough attention. <laughs> Splinter looks ten times better. Yeah, Splinter he... does. Splinter. I mean, he still looks like a giant New York rat, which. Which Nobody is. needed to see that. But I don't want to see the live-action recreation of a giant he, New York rat. He is kind of removed from the movie, though. A lot less. He's a lot less to do this one. Although he didn't do much in the first one either. So. Yeah. Well, he had a fight against Shredder that was botched with bad awesome. CGI and bad uh, camera angles. Yeah. But here's what again. What the here's what the movie does get right. Raph, you heard me. This at, there's actual progression from the first movie. In the first movie, Rav and Leo's uh, uh, argument is basically even mocked to the camera. Like, I haven't heard this fight in 20 minutes. It's like <laughs> the two are just at each other, are just uh, locking horns just because they can. There, in this movie, there is definite respect from Raphael's way towards Leo. But he's at the same time, he's not afraid to challenge Leo. But, but this time, it's for the best of reasons. It's not just because Raf doesn't want... Is being doing it to be a dick. Though he is kind of a dick. Yeah, that's his character. And moreover, and we'll get to this when we cover the plot. Raph's actually right for going after the Purple Loos in police headquarters. I don't care what Leo says. All right, next on a lesser scale, Donatello's character is still good, is better than it was. He still gets a little annoying as the Omni scientist. Yeah. With more techno babble than a Star Trek episode, <laughs> I will say this: I think he gets the most screen time and dialogue in this movie out of every single Ninja Turtles movie. Like maybe uh-huh. Secret of the Ooze a little bit more. I but... mean, Secret of the Ooze that was kind of his movie, but yeah, you know, we might need to do an episode his, of that. Well, especially more than the 2007 movie. Oh God, where he uh, was barely in it. Here, Don is still the only omni-scientist. He's still tr- strategic. He still makes the turtle van. And he's still af- not afraid to actually call Leo out and stuff. He's just a lot quieter than Raph about it, is about it. And he's also more willing to go along with Leo with less questions asked. 
Mm-hmm. And then here's a shocker. They Michael get more Angel- of Mikey right. <laughs> and he's not a, an annoying horn dog like in the first movie. No, he's not. He's still annoying little snot, but that's more his character. Yeah. And moreover, he actually gets character development. Do you have any idea in all the Turtles media how little character, genuine character development Michelangelo gets? Mm. Not a lot. He's always the comic relief, the kind of the if one falls back on. For, so for it, to see him actually have an emotional reaction to the situation and reflect on it, and even Splinter getting a dad moment with him, yeah. as cliche as that was... You know what? It's actually kind of good to see him not just being an infantile character. Yeah. There, there were a lot more personable moments between the characters in this one. Yeah. Um, they, they were still pl- there was still plenty of, but yeah, the, it characterization wise, it was an improvement over the first movie. Absolutely. Um, I, I will you say know, that Shredder didn't. Do, Shredder did more in this movie. He felt more like Shredder in this movie than he did mm-hmm. in the first one. Um, and I actually is, even though I will admit in the first movie, I kind of liked his armor with like the mm-hmm. uh, magnetic blades oh, and stuff. Oh God. I thought that was cool. That was one of the better parts of that one. Yep. Um, I kind of like his outfit in this one. Like it's a bit more simplified. Um, I do mm-hmm. think he, they should have given him a cape. Mm. The cape always kind of makes him look better. Also, I'm a big <laughs> fan of capes, but. <laughs> and, no capes. <laughs> I, I like capes and purple's my favorite color. So, and Shredder usually yeah. wears a purple cape. So, you know. Okay. Uh, we'll save the big two for last. Uh, the turtle van makes an appearance. Like, the genuine turtle van. And you know what? It looks good. Yeah, it wasn't bad. Uh, no, it's... I mean, it's reflective of the 80s cartoon that it came from. But it looks like something that could be pulled out of real life. Except the robotic nunchucks. Um, yeah, that was kind of stupid. I did yeah. like them it's shooting cheesy, manhole covers. Awesome. I did like how they were shooting manhole covers, like in the cartoon. Okay, that's straight out of the toys yeah, from the that, 80s. Yep, the that was The pizza launcher. Yep. Um, so, yeah, whoever made, whoever designed this really knew what they were doing, so props to that. Um, crying in the Technodrome. While the design is good, the execution yeah, is poor. The design, it just gave me flashbacks of the crabby Transformers movies, though. Like, it felt like they just ripped it right out of, like, that concept right out of there, which... There is some element of yeah. that, and Crank's design could have been better, especially yeah. the robot body. Yeah, especially the robot body. Like, but, it wasn't terrible. I mean, it could have been worse. Oh, God. But, I mean, it could have been much better. Granted, I think it would have been funnier if they had just used the big, doofy-looking dude from the 80s cartoon for his uh, suit. Like, that would have been even that would have been hilarious. I would love to see that in live action. What we do um, get in the suit is kind of impressive, but it kind of lacks, like, a bald head like we saw in the trailer. So yeah. It also so doesn't bad. come off as really all that threatening. Oh, okay, this is just design-wise. But, and Krang himself, I guess, you know, is kind of supposed we'll to be disgusting. To He's supposed to look like a disgusting little brain, and yeah, he looked like a disgusting little brain. The design was good. The, at, the execution was poor. Yeah. I did kind of like it, though, when he went to go back into it. He couldn't fit, and the thing just punched him into his stomach. Um, though I will point out, if you, why is he? Why is this thing made for him if he doesn't fit in it? Anyway, or, yeah, uh, we'll get to Let's... the the big two after our first break. I, I think you know Tyler Perry as Medea would have been a better cast oh. than Tyler Perry. Then I would not be willing to watch this movie. <laughs> I, God, I hate that character. I hate. Ugh. 
God. And we're back. Okay, and then let's get to the big two, like I mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. Bebop and Rocksteady. Now, if you grew up with the 80s cartoon, these two were synonymous with the series. Oh, yeah. They They were mostly comic relief by the time the series really got going. But when they were first introduced, they were they were a dumb, dim-witted, but a decent threat. Yep. And that's what they are here. Yeah. They're dim-witted. They're maybe goofballs, but they are a threat nonetheless. The most probably some of the most entertaining stuff in this movie comes from these. They two. are this movie's only saving grace for me. Yeah, I, I love this, <laughs> the best moment is when they're in the plane and. Rocksteady gets in the like a tank and starts blasting at them and like shreds the top of the plane. And as it starts going down, he's like, "All right, that was my bad. I got a little carried well, even away." Bebop calls him out on it. Like all <laughs> the, the 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 six of them stop fighting, and Bebop looks at him and is like, "Dude!" And he's like, "Sorry, that was my bad. I got a little carried away. I'm sorry." <laughs> like that. That was good. Yeah. That felt it like was. Bebop and Rocksteady. It really did. And I, I know you weren't the biggest fan of it. But I have to admit, I laughed when after they transformed, they're like, yeah! And then they just kind of open their pants and look down and go, yeah! <laughs> yeah, dude, we really need that kind of joke in a kids movie. Uh, um, hey, what's worse, that or April O'Neil doing sexy poses? Point well taken. Um, so yeah, you know what? There's even acknowledgments to their original incarnations in the 80s and the 2012 version. Yep. Of the characters, Oh, yeah, too. you said you can see Ivan Starenko for As an uh, alien. Yeah. Yeah. And it's in, uh, officially, according to the movie, Bebop's real name is Anton Zek, which came from the 2012 cartoon. Yeah. So, yeah, you know. Those two were hand- – out of everything in this movie, those two were handled the best. Honestly, if you're going to make a modern translation of the 80s series, that's probably the one element, aside from the turtle band, that really translated it the best. Now let's go over what the movie gets very wrong. Everything else. Here's the basic plot. After Shredder escapes custody, uh, Baxter Stockman, we'll get to him, teleports him, uses a random teleporter he built out of alien junk, and somehow it throws the uh, the Shredder in Dimension X. It's never called Dimension X, we're calling it Dimension X. I think the uh, reasoning was Krang intercepted him in the transporter. I think that was the in-movie reasoning. Whatever. So Krang shows up, and in the matter of space of about three minutes, gives enough exposition to A, introduce a Trechnodrome, B, make an alliance for Shredder, and C, Shredder never questions any of it. And it's an, and this is the type of exposition that even the Dexter's Lab movie would look at and go, man, that's a lot of exposition. Right. And Brad Garrett voices Krang, and I'm not knocking Brad Garrett. He's a quality actor and quality voice actor. But was Pat Fraley not available? Probably. I mean, if they could get him back for... Turtle, Turtles Forever 2 on the 2012 cartoon. What was wrong getting him wrong back here? Uh, well, th- let's be fair. Do they get any of the voice actors from any of the cartoons for this? No, they don't. Yeah. And so. even even the even Judith Hoag's uh, cameo, the original movie April, was cut. So oh, you can, I forgot about that. Yeah, you can see it on YouTube. And it's actually a nice nod to that character, but it was completely removed from the movie. Yeah. She's not even in the credits. Oof. So. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he does a bad job or anything. He's a good voice no. actor, and he has a like. I think his voice is put through a bit of a filter, but you can kind of tell it's him. Um, mm-hmm. And he has a very. But it's also, Krang to me comes off more as like a sniveling little snot in physically and personality wise. And Brad Garrett's voice is so deep and powerful and everything. Like I don't know, it just doesn't fit Krang to me. No. 
Honestly, no, a North version of the 2012 one would have been better. I would have been laughing if they had gotten Roseanne back in to do the voice. Oh, that would have been hilarious. That would have been awesome. Um, (laughs) So, Crank kind of comes off weird. You you pretty much forget about him when you're watching the movie between his two appearances. Well, because he shows up here, and then... He shows two up hour, Yeah, two hours later is when he finally shows up again. And was the Technodrome builds around him, and it's like, okay, yeah. I forgot about you. So then, the whole then, plot here is Shredder's collecting a MacGuffin to bring the Technodrome into our world through, in, from Dimension X. Yeah. And, okay, sure, whatever. I, I'm, there's worse plots to make. Can, Shredder I, can, here, I, do my, can I do my rant on uh, Baxter Stockman, please? Please, by all means. All right. All right. So, Baxter Stockman... Oh, before you do, here's the (laughs) one thing they got about Baxter Stockman Rice. They casted the... They cast... They managed to cast the race of the character right. In the original comics, he's black. Yeah. Yeah, that's a shocker to all of you who only watch the 80s cartoon. I actually don't remember what he looked like in the 80s cartoon. I remember the... I remember the big fly, but that's it. He was a white and looked like a generic mad scientist. They got... Tyler Perry to play Baxter Stockman. Tyler Perry is the most untalented piece of trash actor ever. He's wow. like a he's like if if you took Eddie Murphy, took away all talent that he had in all his good movies and just replaced it with let's just say okay, you know Eddie Murphy had some great movies like Beverly Hills Cop 1 and 2, stuff like that and you know I I like the first um what the heck was it called? The the scientist one where he gets all fat and in the fat suit and everything. Oh, Nutty oh, Professor. Right. Nutty Professor. The first Nutty Professor movie had a, had some great moments. Um, if you took all of that stuff away from Eddie Murphy and just replaced it with the sequels to Nutty Professor that sucked, Adventures of Pluto Nash, Meet Dave, and all the other god-awful movies he did, Dr. that's Tyler... I actually kind of like Doctor Doolittle a little bit. Okay, fine. The, the sequels sucked, but I kind of like. I thought the first one was kind of cute. Um, yeah, there were sequels. If you took all the bad stuff Eddie Murphy did, that's Tyler Perry's resume. Is all the bad things he plays like? Oh, he, he plays, plays a woman. He plays one character, and they're still making more of these freaking movies. There's so many of these stupid Medea movies. Like, Jesus Christ, they're not funny. They've never I mean, been funny. How the hell are these things making money? I mean, I will say this. Diary of a Mad Black Woman is actually okay. But Don't it's give this actu- douchebag any credit. Give me it. Hear me out. The actual A plot about the woman's rede- uh, after being dumped and finding her way back to normal life is actually okay. The Medea stuff is still crap. Okay. Okay. Right. Everything else, yeah, I would happen to agree with you. Yeah, it's. But how is his? How has he not been banished to de- direct the video hell by now? That's I, I don't get. I don't know. Like I think the Medea movies have hit direct to TV hell at this point, or maybe direct to video. I think they're all direct to video at this point. How does this guy find work outside of that? Like I get it. If you're making your own projects and those are coming out and they suck, fine. You keep making them. Look at Adam Sandler's recent stuff. God, All right. Thank, thank you, Netflix, for furthering that career. Oh, my God. And apparently it's like one of the highest watched things on Netflix. I'm assuming morbid curiosity. Um, it's like the only way. But I, I've seen this, I've seen this guy's stuff. He's terrible. He's a bad actor. He's not funny. Like I said, Eddie Murphy went downhill later on, but he had a lot of great stuff. Beverly Hills Cop is still a classic. 
And then he came back briefly as a decent actor for Dreamgirls, but that was about it. Mm-hmm. Eddie Murphy, not Tyler not Perry. Yeah. And so, he, they when they said, like, they're making a ninja, second Ninja Turtles movie, I'm like, okay, maybe this will be better. Got, you know, may, or maybe it'll be Revenge of the Fallen. Who knows? Um, well, no, it wasn't, thank God. It, it wasn't, thank goodness. Neither of these were as bad as that. And then they it said, Tyler Perry's Baxter Stockman, and it just flipped off the screen. Yeah, we were both had a similar reaction. I was like, I really? Was, yeah, I, I was reading this on IGN on my computer, just literally gave the screen the finger and said, fuck you, I'm not seeing this movie in theaters. I don't care what else the rest of it could be good. This poisonous douchebag is in it. Right, and then when, where I got dragged to the first one under protest by my brother because, hey, we both grew up with Turtles, he knew not to drive. He He's like, when it came to this one, he agreed with me. We were not once, seeing it in theaters. Once bitten, t- twice shy. Exactly. It took me three Transformers movies to figure that one out. <laughs> Same here. So, as far as Baxter goes, the character is also underwritten. He's just a shredder lackey when, yeah. in ev- well, except for the original 80s cartoon, so again, I, yeah, maybe that's I like the pulling from. The but even then, 12 incarnation is easily the best. It combined all of his versions into one, really. Yeah. Um, and this because, one, like, you see little hints of of the sorry you see little hints of that sort of thing like the the nervous bumbly scientist but uh, here's the thing baxter in his own right in at least in the original comic and the 2003 cartoon Mm -hmm. is his own operator he will do whatever he wants he's a sociopath of his own right and a villain of his own right in the eight eight here in the 80s cartoon, he's a lackey at best. 2012, he ended up being a lackey, but was more his own choice to be. I th- by when he co- when, by the end of it, he he had his own like he had his standalone villain role a couple times in that one. A couple of times, and but by, by the end of the season four, he, they I mean he season four it's like we're basically told why he stayed with what he's like. I like being a fly. I like being part of this. I was stronger, smarter, etc. And. Why do you think I never changed myself back when he could have? Good point, too. Yeah. No, I liked that. Uh, okay. So Baxter's kind of really just wasted here. Yeah. Ugh, okay. And at least and, we don't get – at least yeah. we didn't get any mousers, okay? In yeah, those things – those probably would have looked like little Transformers, too. Yes, they would have. Ver, okay, Vern. What the hell is this? Okay. Vernon in the original 80s cartoon was his annoying little rat face character – who just served as foil as an April. He's a plot device. That's all he is. Mm-hmm. And it's just a vehicle for Will Arnett to do some fiscal comedy, and that's it. Okay, Casey Jones. Or no, before we get to Casey, Karai. What is she even doing here? What, what did she do in the first movie? Oh, well, I also, I have to ask something about Vern. Uh-huh. Is, um, so Aaron and I watched this, and we were recording ourselves, and neither of us could really figure out what the heck was Will Arnett made famous by? Uh, it was a show, one show or another. I'll have to look like, it up. Like, seriously, like, what was this guy's breakout role that he's being cast in stuff? Like, I know he was funny as Batman in the Lego movie. That Arrested Development. He was Arrested Development. I think yeah. I watched, like, the first two episodes of that show, and I was like, screw this. That was his big breakout role, and that's why he's been in everything else. Then let's go to our, our favorite murderous vigilante. Oh, wait, he's not murderous. Oh, wait, he's not a vigilante. He's Casey kind of, Jones, kind of played by uh, Stephen Amell. Thank you. Okay, here's the thing about – let's take this all the way back to the first Turtles movie because that's the easiest point of reference I can make for people to understand. 
Yep. Casey Jones was more violent than Raph. He was a bit of a psychopath in how much he was willing to beat people up. Um, but he got along with the turtles. And he was a bit that's of a smartass. That's his core character. That's all he's ever been. Yep. And that that's how where he started, and that's where he's developed in as part of his character. This Casey Jones starts as a cop, doesn't show any real anger issues, and the only reason they bring out the hockey connection because he plays hockey on the weekends as a hobby, we're told. This is the origin of another character, isn't it? Like, a police officer, like, they're not doing this, so I'm going to go off and be a vigilante. Like, that's an origin for another character, isn't it? A couple. I'm sure there's a couple versions of that in fiction elsewhere. Yeah. I'm pretty like, sure knew... the the 3 series had something like that. I don't remember. I'm just trying to remember. Like, I swear this was like a DC or Marvel thing. That Absolutely. Uh, it's a trope. It really is. Yeah, it is. It's like, oh, the police aren't getting the job done, so I'll go do it myself. Right. So, uh, I mean, shoot, uh, isn't this like the premise for SWAT cats where they got kicked out of the army and they're like, okay, we'll be uh, vigilantes to do this our own? Yeah. And in the original comic and every other incarnation of Casey Jones, he's not a cop. He never has been. He just decided to clean up the streets on his own terms. I must call out lazy writers. Yeah. Then let's get to the one I wanted to be most at here. Oh, before we get to that, Shredder, he should be more intelligent than this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he you, we are we are never given a reason in the 80s cartoon why he's allied with Crank. It's just from right straight from the start. We're never told why other than they have a mutual interest in power and mm-hmm. Shredder needs his armies and Crying needs his technological savvy. Somehow Shredder's a genius engineer. The 2012 show does a good job of saying it's the introduction to the villains together. Yeah. Yep. And the 03 cartoon Shredder is crying. That was kind of weird, but awesome. (laughs) So here, within within five minutes of meeting each other, they're allies, and then oops, Krang betrays him. Oh, (laughs) how shocking. that just leaves the one the one major problem I wanted to bring up with this movie is Leonardo. Now, don't get me wrong. He's underused when it comes to the four. Mikey's always comic relief. Donnie's kind of background science advisor. And Raph's usually who the story focuses on. And Leo is always a counterpoint to Raph. But here's the thing. Leo is not stupid. He's tactically minded. Yeah, he, he, he may get to be a jerk in the field when he's ordering his brothers to do something they don't want to do. But he's not stupid. He's egotistical, sure. But he's smart. Is he going to clash with Raph? Sure. It's expected of the character. He'll give orders when he needs to, but he's never prepared to ask something of his brothers he won't do himself. He listens to his brother because Donatello is just as good at analyzing weaknesses because Raph challenges him because that's Raph's job, to keep Leo honest. And Mikey is just comic relief. Sure. Here... Leo is like, he spouts off lines of, mine's the only opinion that matters in this family. And he he's always on his brother's case about when they failed to stop Bebop and Rocksteady in the Brazil. In Brazil. Okay, yeah, you're having a bad couple of bad days here where everything seems to not go your way. And even Splinter's like, look, you're... Your brothers are gonna... Ha- you're gonna have to work with the brothers as they are. You can't make them your, be your soldiers. And here's the other part that seems really stupid about Leo's character. The Purple Ooze is a MacGuffin that's introduced for Shredder to make soldiers of his own. That's where Bebop and Rocksteady comes from. I'm not questioning that. 
because they don't mention the green stuff ever again. But for some reason, Donnie implies that the purple stuff can make them human while keeping their internals as turtles. Okay, sure, whatever. Um, but Leo, without when Leo and Don are talking about this, they're like, Leo's like, okay, we can't tell Mike, Raph, and Mikey. We want to. He wants to keep it a secret. Why? Oh, right, because they actually say, point out that Raph and Mikey, more Mikey than Raph, they want to interact with the greater world. That's not a character flaw, guys. Never is. But Leo doesn't want them to turn human for whatever reason. They're, they're turtles, okay? And I'm sure if you reason this out with them, they'll listen. But instead, he just makes the decision and tells Don to shut up. Of course, Mikey and Raph hear it. Maybe the okay. elevator scene scrambled his brains. I don't get this. I, I think if they would have gone more with the root, I know it would have been a bit of a cliche or trope, but if they would have gone with the root of be proud of what you are mm-hmm. rather than trying to change yourself sort of thing. Like, this is what we are. We shouldn't try, you know, we don't need to be human because we're this, you know, like we're we're proud to be turtles, like that sort of thing, which I think they've done I, like that's been i know that's been done before that's been done. it's been done like in x-men you know be proud of being a mutant things like that so i think that would have been a better way to go about it and then also if they could have if they would have said like this is if we turn human we might lose all our strength that lose all our ninja ability like, we not wouldn't be able to be ninjas anymore or at least in this sense and also it could be permanent we can't just switch back and forth you know we can't reactivate our turtle selves as power to save the day no you know and so like at the end they would have been like if we hadn't been turtles we couldn't have saved you know ninja turtles we couldn't have saved the day well hell even the first the the terrible uh uh, fantastic four movie got this right better than this the whole word the thing the thing struggle i'm talking about the one from the the i liked that one Okay, I'm pointing that as a positive, dude. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I know, where he turns back into human but realizes his powers are needed, so he changes himself back. Willingly. Willingly, yeah. yeah. So, look, it, it just comes out of... Leo's had a very rough history of how he's betrayed. Um, but the, I am saying this with all honesty. This is the stupidest I've ever seen him. I mean, say what you want about him in the original uh, 90s movies... That was more of a laid-back Leo, but he knew what he was doing. He wasn't stupid. He's never been stupid in any of the cartoon incarnations. We'll continue this after our next break. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on. I, I'm sorry. This is an unbelievable performance. I cannot, for the life of me, believe that Megan Fox can read. And we're back. Something it was, I've noticed this in the modern cartoon Leo grows as a leader in it, and by season four and five, you know, by season four, he's much better at than he was in season one. So in the show, there's points where he tries to, where he learns from Master Splinter, you know, from Splinter, but he doesn't learn from him directly. But like, every time he asks, like, how can I be a leader? Splinter tells him, like, you need to learn this on your own, but he kind of gives him more, like, indirect advice, but also kind of teaches him different things. Like, Leo wants to learn how, like, the little healing mantra thing. So he wants to grow a little bit differently than the other turtles. Well, admittedly, he does it with all four, but for other for other things too. But yeah, continue. Um, in the movie, he obviously sucks at being a leader. Um, he goes to Splinter and is like, "They suck as a team," 
And Splinter's like, deal with it. Yeah. So, I mean, granted, it's also like an insult against how they portray Splinter in this, which Splinter's pretty freaking useless in this movie. Yeah. He's barely in it, and I don't understand why. I mean, I'm fine with them putting more focus on the turtles instead, because that's where the main story should be, but do something more with him. Like, the most screen time he gets is when they joke with Casey, which, by the way, this is the second time this joke is used when he first meets him. Oh, we're aliens. We're crazy, evil turtles. And they're like, guys, there's a giant rat. And they're like, yeah, he shows up here. I'm like, you literally just did this joke, and it wasn't funny the first time. Why are you doing this again? Yeah. Casey's first uh, interaction with the turtles was stupid, too. Don't eat us. Yeah, that was... Like, it's one thing to be like, what What the heck are these things? Like, that uh-huh. would make sense. That's that's fine. Okay, but, even, uh, even the original 90s movie, Casey, Casey was, he just assumed Raph was in a mask. And he's, it, I like the, 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 the realization slowly dawning on him. Yeah. Was pretty he's like, try, like, some guy in a Halloween costume with turtle with a turtle's head and three fingers. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> all right. <laughs> he kind of shrugs it off like, all right, cool. I, I'm in New York. Things happen. So, yeah, this was kind of a waste of the character. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking the Torquenardo thing in the elevator scrambled his brains. <laughs> <laughs> Never not find that funny. Oh, my God. Torquenardo. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And for those of you, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think we both enjoyed that elevator scene because it was just kind of a nice little breather. It, it felt like something out of Ninja Turtles. But... It still got I, made fun of by other other points in the franchise. I, I will say, you know what, I'm even more appreciative of that scene, because without it, we wouldn't have gotten that great moment in the 2012 show. Yeah. If you're wondering what we're talking about, folks, at one point, the 2012 show deliberately references by having that Michelangelo start banging his nunchucks together, and Rav just reach over and slaps him. <laughs> of course, Rav likes to slap him in that a lot in that series. This is true. <laughs> And put him in headlocks. <laughs> oh, God. So, yeah, and then, oh, one other point. The purple ooze thing, okay, it's alien mutagen. I don't care. That That's just another plot dynamic. But they, if you're going to set up the rules of the green one in the first one, why not use it? I Again. don't remember it being green in the first one. It was green because it was, the turtles were exposed to it in by injections in the first one and then in the first one they were basically oh, li- yeah. a living source for it oh right oh, God. I think I blocked out most of the first one I'm just like it's like why have two separate MacGuffins when you already have one in the series it's almost like writing a Ghost Rider series Ghost Rider movies where the rules disagree between the two movies oh wait <laughs> those were I, I saw I remember I could never get I could never get like more than twenty minutes to the first one without like falling asleep. Most of the rules they establish about the devil, since mm-hmm. it's the source of Ghost Rider's powers, they throw completely ass out the window in the second movie. Awesome. And then there's a <laughs> then there's a scene, it's just it's kind of like not even a flashback, but kind of like an imagination scene. Of the Ghost Rider peeing, which means he's peeing fire. <laughs> I, I think he should go see a doctor for that one. No, no, no. It's, Nick Cage says it's kind of a cool thing. I can pee fire. <laughs> Is this like an end of days where the devil like pees on a car and it blows up? 
Okay, anyway. Um, I was, one thing, I, it felt like for this one they were kind of doing the typical soft reboot sequel where yeah. the first one happened – but they're not gonna fully address. They're not gonna address it as much. Like they're right, gonna they, try and do their own thing. I mean, for crying out loud, we're told twice what each of the four girls' names are and what they are, what their personality mm-hmm. is. We have the actual like where it shows us on screen what their name is and their role, yeah. and then Mikey literally describes all four of them to Casey later. Yeah, God, which uh, that I God, I totally forgot about that. That bugged the hell out of me in the opening. Like, fine, show their names. Don't tell me what their personalities are. How about here's a thought. Do a good job writing them, and I'll figure out what their personalities are by watching the goddamn movie. Well, there's as much as I like the very first movie, and I do, Donnie's intelligence isn't explored in that one. So I mean the I'm the nineties one. Yeah. So well, he does help fix a car. That's about it, yeah. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> It's not till Secret of the Ooze where they actually show how intelligent he is. Yeah, this is true. But still, I mean, that's more of a failure on the writing part. It's like, if you mm-hmm. write the characters well, we can figure out what the personalities are. You know, just by watching the movie. It's like yeah. the show-don't-tell sort of thing. Well, if you expect them a Michael Bay movie to actually show instead of telling... I well, know, I know, I'm asking too much of this. Maybe one day... One of the two people that wiped their ass with a script and called themselves a writer for this movie will listen to our podcast and go, huh, that guy has a good point. Maybe I should learn not to be an idiot. Nah. Probably won't. Yeah, you're right. All right. Yeah, they're hopeless. <laughs> Screw them all. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, folks. Uh, so that was the thing. What are we doing next? Next... Is it the weenie character? I'm not the weenie. You are the weenie. <laughs> Stop using the weenie word. Yeah, we got to do that next. <laughs> okay, sure. I'm done for that. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna co- go back to a character analysis, folks. And we're gonna look at Gutierrez from Freakazoid. Because he's a super teen extraordinaire and runs around in his underwear. Freakazoid. 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 I love that theme. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> All right. And uh, Pete, where can they find us online? We are at frustratedpodcast.com. We are also on Google Play Podcast, on iTunes Podcast Listening, and we have our own RSS feed. Yep. And uh, if you like us and uh, enjoyed our Redwall cartoon review from way back in the day, we have a new uh, sister podcast, don't we? Yes, we do. And that would be... The Recorder on the Wall, which is recorderonthewall.com. And that is also located on iTunes and Google Play Podcast. And yes, it, it is. has its own RSS feed. And we just, uh, right before this, we finished recording our very first episode. Well, second episode, if you, because episode zero, you get what I'm talking about. Yep. All right, so we'll see you next time. Take care, everyone. Childhood.